Last night, Clay Thompson goes 14 for 24 from three, finishes with 52 points and sets an NBA record for most three-pointers made in a game, breaking his teammate Steph Curry's old record. And seven games in, LeBron is frustrated. It's a cipher. Seven games in, and we're seven games into this drama, which I think the way this Lakers season is going to play out, they're going to have drama in the aftermath of every game they play. And look, as great a player as LeBron is, and we're talking about a Mount Rushmore player, an iconic player, he does bring drama with him. He always has. You can, you can both be a great player and a drama queen, and he's both. You're seven games in with a new team and a half of your core is 23 and under. And you seem to be whining about patience and frustration. And I know you can point out the numbers 27, 9, 8. Those are impressive offensive numbers. But what you can also point out is he doesn't guard anybody defensively. He doesn't have to be the best player on defense anymore. He doesn't have to be a lockdown defender on defense, but he can compete and he doesn't compete enough defensively. And I get it. He's 33. He's older. So you don't want him to use all of his energy up. But look, in high leverage moments, that's the new popular word, leverage. In money moments, when there's two minutes left, it's money time. Lockdown. In money moments, you haven't guarded Jimmy Butler the entire game. Guard Jimmy Butler. Get into his grill. Guard him. Make him put it on the floor, but get into him. Jimmy Butler had 32 points. Went six from seven from three, which means he caught and made a lot of contested shots. He had a lot of open shots as well. I guess my point is he got every matchup he wanted. In most of the matchups, Jimmy was going up against a smaller player. LeBron, you're bigger, stronger, faster. You got to take that challenge on. You got to shut that down. It's not like you have to guard Tosh Gibson because you don't. Kuzma can guard Tosh Gibson. Tosh Gibson is a tough guy, but he's not an offensive focal point. Carl Anthony Towns finished with 25 and 16, but he didn't shoot well. He was only 7 for 18 from the field. Jeff Teague was 2 for 12. You're getting killed by Jimmy Butler and Josh Oakey. And I probably tore his name up, but sorry, Oki. That's what I, that's the way I see it. Truly, 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 the Lakers' defense is going to be their downfall. They have to find a way to not just connect, to not be hand in glove defensively, but they have to be led by their best player on that side of the floor. And right now, I, I just don't think he's competing hard enough. Look, you can tell me that the younger players are erratic defensively, and they miss assignments. They do. But you can't point fingers at them and help not, or not help notice that the older players, like LeBron and Rondo at times, they're missing defensive assignments as well, and they're not taking on the toughest challenges. I'm not saying guard Jimmy Butler the entire game, but in a back-and-forth game, and it's money time, yeah, pick your spots and take up that challenge. DeMar DeRozan has played the Lakers twice. He's averaging 31 points and 11 assists. 
you got to take up that challenge. You got to man up. I think it's too early to be complaining, hedging towards whining. You're two and five. The season isn't over yet. But I will say this. If they don't shore up what they do defensively and improve upon something that they should be much better at offensively, which is attacking a basket and getting to the free throw line. The Lakers aren't a great three-point shooting team. That's not a secret. But when your team is made up of guys that are mostly slashers, guys that can't attack the basket off the bounce, you should be able to get to the free throw line more than 15 times a game. And when you get there, they're free throws. You have to knock them down. That's another problem. The Lakers are one of the worst, if not the worst, free throw shooting team in the NBA. So while they're fun to watch, when you get inside the numbers, they're not efficient in high-end leverage moments. They're just not. And they don't really seem to run set plays, which that might be more on Luke Walton or maybe LeBron sees something that Walton is, isn't seeing and he's just deviating from a call play. They've got to find units that work best together. Now, most people think that Lonzo... And Kuzma worked better with LeBron. And so far, I'd say that's kind of like an up and down thing. I, I'm not I, I don't think you can call that a lock. I still think they're finding their way with rotations. I do know that the person that's most lost in all these rotations is Contavious Caldwell Pope. Last night, he only played six minutes. He's definitely the odd man out so far in this rotation. And I don't know where he's going to be able to find minutes when you can go almost 10 deep on this Lakers squad. But I do know it's early yet. So LeBron, no worries, no frustration. Laker fans, R-E-L-A-X, you're two and five. You should stress if you're two and 25, if you're 10 and 35. But until then, relax. It's early. They're finding their ways. Yes, they need to play more consistent on both sides of the ball. But more importantly, in a league that encourages scoring, you win when you have the ability to get stops. And they have the athletes to get stops. This is more about effort and cohesion, not about talent. Raptors and Spurs swap star players. And obviously on the surface, yes, no question, Kawhi Leonard is a better all-around player than DeMar DeRozan. But like I told everybody at the time, no question, Kawhi is a better all-around player. And he's a better shooter. But offensively, just from an offensive standpoint, even though he's a better shooter, he's not a better offensive player than DeMar DeRozan. Because DeMar DeRozan's... His strength, the strength of his game, his mid-range game, and his ability to get downhill and get to the foul line. And he's a better facilitator than Kawhi is. Kawhi has never averaged more than four assists per game in his career. DeRozan's averaged almost five. He's averaged five actually a couple of times in his career. In this current season, he's averaging eight assists per game. I like the way Pop is using him. I thought he would have a big season with the Spurs. But I didn't know they would use him in this capacity. He's basically their point guard, and he's killing it. Look, if you look at their numbers and the way they're playing, 
thus far, DeRozan's averaging 28 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds on 49% shooting. Versus Kawhi, who's averaging 26 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists on 50% shooting. And he's shooting, obviously, 45% from 3, which is monstrous. That's crazy. Again, this isn't me stating in any way or, or any terms that... DeMar DeRozan is a better all-around player than Kawhi. He is not. Kawhi is the superior all-around player. What I am saying is, offensively, the Spurs didn't really lose much. They they lost someone who attacked in a different way. But in terms of the production and the impact, they didn't lose anything. DeMar DeRozan is that good going downhill. I think this is one of those trades that really worked out for both teams. Ultimately, though... If it works out for the Raptors, they could end up in the finals. I guess we'll know bigger picture if it works out for them, depending on what Kawhi does once he hits free agency. Before I get to your Facebook comments, let's take a look at the Washington Wizards and the Sixers. When you look at the Wizards, they're one in five, and they're a prime example of having all the talent in the world but the parts don't fit. There's something missing in Washington. And it's not it's more than chemistry. There's just something not right. Nobody questions how talented John Wall is or how talented Bradley Bill is. But neither one of them are leaders. There's just a big gap between that team's first, second player and how the other players relate to them. When you look at Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, Markeith Morris, Jeff Green, they brought Austin Rivers there to provide scoring punch off the bench, and he's struggling, shooting 40% from the floor, 33% from three, and only averaging eight points a game. There's just a bad vibe there. I see a team that they don't enjoy playing together. And at some point, they're going to have to make some moves to alter the path of this franchise. They might have to take steps backwards to ultimately start going forward again. And I'm not saying Scott Brooks is the problem. I'm not saying it's all on Scott Brooks. But what I am saying is if you've looked at Scott Brooks and you've watched his career and seen his coaching style, I promise you he's not the solution. They're going to have to do something to change the culture in their franchise. And I think it starts at the top with the coach and with their best player. And that's something that's got to be done soon. When I look at the Sixers, they're in a similar situation, except their core is much younger. You're not trying to get rid of Embiid or Simmons or Sarge if you can avoid that. But. With folks struggling like he is, it and it really seems like that young man is struggling with not just his shot, but his overall confidence. You watch him out there, and it, he just looks stressed. He just doesn't look like a guy. And look, I know it's their job, but if you love the game, then you enjoy competing, and you love playing. And right now, you can tell he doesn't enjoy playing. He hasn't found his way, and he's trying to fight through it. And it's just a struggle. And I picked the Sixers as my dark horse to come out of the East. I picked them to interrupt that guaranteed meeting of the Celtics and the Raptors in the conference finals. And I'm not going to change my pick. 
because moves can be made. Chemistry can be improved. Folks could come around or he could be moved or any a number of things could happen before the end of the season. I look at this team and I think Brett Brown's a good coach, but I don't think he's the right coach for this team. They don't seem to run set plays and everybody seems to be doing their own thing. And when you watch how they play, when you have folks and Simmons on the floor, immediately defenses sink in and double down on Embiid because they know both folks and Simmons can't shoot. They've got to put in lineups that create floor spacing. That's coaching. I just think that this team is up and coming and maybe I'm a year off on making my claim. I'm not, again, I'm not going to change my pick, but I might be a year off. I might be wrong when it's all said and done. But they're also an organization that's had to make some major changes. They might have to make one more. All right, so I'm going to do a couple of your Facebook comments because we're going to try to keep it like it's real time. You know, this stuff just went down last night. Some of it, some of it's been said today. So my man Bronski says, so Bron is great, but he had to play with two all-stars in the East. And now he needs the young guys to play defense and to close for him. He won't ever sniff a championship on the Lakers. Well, Bronski, he won't sniff a championship this year for sure, which I already knew that coming into the season. But let's see how these guys develop over the course of the season. And let's see what the Lakers are able to bring in in terms of free agency, what can they add to the current roster? Or before the the trade deadline, let's see if they make a move. Maybe Magic decides, why wait? Why not go for it? We'll have to see. Wanda says, let's stop LeBron from playing defense. Oh, wait, he doesn't play defense, but he should. If he's not going to play defense, then he needs to be more aggressive on offense. It seems like late in games when he can attack the basket, he shies away because he doesn't want to go to the free throw line. It looks like that off and on at times early in the season. But obviously, if you look at his overall career, he's had plenty of times when he's gone to the free throw line and he was able to make the free throws. Is he struggling a little bit, maybe upstairs with going to the free throw line? If he is, he's not the only Laker. Like I said before, they're the worst free throw shooting team in the NBA. Lonzo shoots a lot of threes because Lonzo has no intentions of attacking the basket. Same for Rondo. They don't want to get fouled because they don't want to shoot free throws. Brandon Ingram doesn't shoot free throws well. I mean, this is going to be a problem. The difference in the game last night with the Timberwolves, again, the Lakers took 15 total free throws. The Timberwolves took 30. And they made 26 of those 30, even if the Lakers made all their free throws. The funny thing is, had they made all their free throws and they only took 15, they would have won the game. They've got to be more aggressive attack, attacking the basket. A team with that many athletes, with a guy like LeBron or Ingram or even Rondo penetrating and setting other guys up, a team like that should be able to get to the foul line no less than 20 times per game, anywhere between 20 and 25 times. Eddie says, Clay's game was historical, and they're still talking about LeBron and his drama. You're right. Look, what Clay did last night, that was crazy. 14 of 24 from three. 
That's insane. But you know how that goes. LeBron's the best player in the game. And he's a drama magnet. We all know this. We've known this over the last 15 years. That's kind of the package. And when you go to the Lakers, they've kind of had their own drama even without him. So bringing him there, yeah, there's going to be some kind of drama. What's the point of saying LeBron is six foot nine, two hundred and fifty pounds if he's afraid to drive to the basket when the game's on the line? Well, again, I don't think he's let me say this, to be honest. I thought last night he could have turned the corner easily. I mean, you could see it. It was clear. You can go back and look at the film. And for some reason he hesitated, pulled back, and went back to the screen. And then because they expanded the defense and got outside his 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 handle. He had to give Kuzma a last-ditch three. He, just set, he set Kuzma up for failure. Ultimately, yes, the young players have to grow and find their way. And yes, the veterans have to find their way in terms of minutes played and when to pick their spots. But when you have the best player in basketball, he's got to do more than talk about being a leader. He's got to be a leader. Hey, Facebook fam, good looking out. Shout out to everybody on the Anchor app. Shout out to the YouTubers out there. I appreciate all your responses. I'm not caught up yet, but I am catching up. And mind you, I did a couple of these, and a lot of these came into my box like today. So making some progress. We're getting there. It's the cipher. If I don't do a show tomorrow, don't hate on me. Real life intervenes. My daughter's got a soccer game. And I have no idea how long that's going to last. It's her first one. So I'm excited. So here we go. It's the cypher. I will. I try to hit you guys up tomorrow. If not, do not worry. I'll be back on Thursday. I'm going to hit y'all with this.